evening and welcome once again to the Lotus Flower Podcast. I am your host, Reverend Dr. Pamela Robinson, and I bring you greetings on behalf of my co-host, my handsome husband, and my best friend, whom I'm celebrating nine years of marriage with tomorrow. On Wednesday, we would have been married for nine wonderful years, and we are still dating. Yes. The Lotus Flower Podcast. Our aim is to educate, empower, and equip our listening audience with spiritually relevant, culturally uplifting educational topics. Well, tonight, we have with us someone that knows a little bit about spiritually uplifting educational topics, someone whose life exemplifies that of the beautiful pink and white lotus flower. It is the flower that blooms in adversity that is the greatest of them all. The flower, the lotus flower that is the center of our logo, it actually grows in the mud and the muck and the mire beneath the water, just like this flower in this globe is glowing. My husband purchased this for me a few years back, and it has a flower right in the middle of all that water. And when I thought about it, I said, that is just like the lotus flower. It has to push its way up through that adverse situation in order to become what God orchestrated for it to become. And you know, at the end of the day, that flower goes back underneath the water and it repeats the process again the next day where it pushes up again and blooms and blossom. And I wondered what gives that flower and what gives many of our guests the strength that they have to be determined to go on in spite of having had some adverse situations in their lives. And it is this. The clearest answer is this. Just like Paul in the Bible, when he said, when I am weak, I am strong in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. If we look at this verse and we take it in, it says, when I am at my weakest, then I am my strongest. It is therefore God's grace that gives us the ability and the strength to be able to push beyond whatever adverse situations that we find ourselves in. God's grace, it equates to God's strength in the lives of many of our Lotus Flower podcast guests. With God, we can soar by faith. We can set our sights high and we can reach the limits that God said that we could reach because with God, the sky is the limit to what we can have. Our guest this evening is none other than the beautiful, intellectually gifted, and I'd like to say anointed and appointed woman of God, none other than Dr. Rashida W. Brown.
Dr. Brown, thank you so much, our virtual listening audience, for hanging out this evening with myself and my colleague, Dr. Rashida W. Brown, PhD. This is episode two. This is season two, episode 27 of The Lotus Flower. And sorry for that technical difficulties. With this particular episode, we are honoring National Black Mental Health Awareness Month. This entire month of July has been set aside to look at mental health wellness among African-American people. And it's so fitting this evening that we have with us a mental health expert. Dr. Rashida Brown is a clinical psychologist in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Known as America's number one breakup therapist, she is the owner of I Thrive Therapy, best-selling author of Girl, Get Off the Couch, and the host of Hello Healing Podcast. She has been seen on, t on TV's One's Hit Crime Show for a Man and has been featured in Vogue Atlanta Magazine, Black Doctorate Network Podcast, Mind Body Green, and more. She is an international speaker. She is an author times two and a trusted psychotherapist who gets results. Her work is guided by faith and simple ideas that connect the dots between the past experiences and the present pain. We can position ourselves for a powerful future when doing so. Combining her knowledge of mental health, as well as her love of faith, she helps women heal after breakups and couples avoid unnecessary breakups. Born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina, Dr. Rashida Brown is a former foster child who beat the odds by becoming the first person in her family to attend college. She holds a bachelor's degree in sociology, a master's degree in social work from the University of South Carolina, and a doctorate degree from Agrisi University. Dr. Rashida's vision is to help 10,000 women to break free from the baggage of emotional bondage and failed relationships and to inspire them to build new lives of purpose and hope. This evening, we would like for you all to join us as we welcome to this virtual space, none other than Dr. Rashida Brown. <laughs> welcome. Hey, Dr. Pamela, thank you for being a part of your show. I am super excited to have this conversation. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here this evening. As we are aware, this is National 
Black Mental Health Awareness Month. And what a timely podcast that we are hosting this evening with you. So we're going to start off just by asking you to tell us a little bit about your yourself. I am Dr. Radisha Brown, and I hail from Georgia, um, is where I live now. And so I, I am very passionate about helping women heal. Because since, um, you, you know, negative uh, experiences, we experience trauma, but with it and move on from it and just keep going you know we are the glue that holds family and oftentimes we're the last on the list of priorities and so my mission is to help of how we think about wellness how we think about mental health and how we think about healing body mind and spirit so it requires the faith as well as the the work on mental health and to to create a life uh, a purpose a life of hope in the life of peace, the ultimate goal in this journey. Thank you. Now, Dr. Rashida, after I read your bio and I read a little bit on your on your beautiful website that I would definitely be putting your contact information up on the screen throughout the podcast, we have it here now. When I look, went on your website and I learned a little bit about you and also when I participated in the um, Rubidoux's book club with you. I learned a lot about you then. I would like for you to share with our audience a little bit about your childhood and how you grew up. It's a wonderful story of resiliency. Right. So I grew up in a small town right outside of Charleston, South Carolina. My mom was an alcohol. So my grandmother, like, like many grandmothers, took on the responsibility of my siblings. And unfortunately, my my grandmother suddenly passed away when I was around 11. Mom, of course, wasn't in a position to take care of us. So um, we went into foster care. And all of us stayed in foster care until we aged out of the system. And so I can number foster homes I went in um, throughout my childhood. It was uh, a always had a bag because you never know when that was going to be the night you would leave that experience helped me to get through it. One was faith. My grandma introduced me to Jesus and, and, and how faith in this journey and facing obstacles. So that, that's the foundation. And then I found the love of education open doors that I didn't think was possible for somebody that looked like me, somebody that was poor, um, a mom that was addicted to drugs and alcohol. And so, mm-hmm. so that you're there. And it has been an unexpected journey, uh, one with with numerous and and um, setbacks. But you know, as you mentioned, you keep going, right? That's how it is. Despite the, all the things that say no, all the things to say this shouldn't happen. Um, foster kids, in overall, only about one percent of us religion. Um, that one percent, you know, something like a quarter of the 1% graduate college. So against me, the odds said, you know, I wouldn't graduate. The odds said I wouldn't go to college. You know, I would end up um, being addicted to drugs and alcohol or in jail. And so they mm-hmm. should be your journey. At the, at the end of the day, God has the final say and create a life in which we deserve a life of freedom, a life of peace, it'll work. Mm-hmm. We got 
work into it. And so that, that's what I teach women. That's what I teach couples. How that's good. And when, when you grew up, did you have any siblings? Yes, I am one of five. Yeah, I am one of five. I have two brothers and two sisters like in little in the middle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of bunches I often get are all we still in contact yet. We are very, very close knit family. We stayed in contact since and then um, into adulthood. Um, we, we do all holidays together. Talking to my brother before we started this podcast, so we are. <laughs> Um, a, a close knit family, despite what statistics say should have happened to us. All of which my siblings are successful. My brother uh, is a biomedical engineer. My sister um, works for the um, of software, and uh, you know we all have have overcome a great setbacks for sure. I don't want to make it seem like this journey has been easy. It's been tough. There's been a lot of ugly insurance. <laughs> But by, God, but by God's grace, we, I believe that those prayers that my grandmother had, you know, when I, I would see she would, when she woke up, the first thing she was doing was on her knees praying in the mornings, pillow mm -hmm. praying. So she, she taught us about prayer and in the midst of, of obstacles and, and the journey that life would, would be unsure you know there'd be purity in this life but certainly faith would carry us through and so i i believe those prayers in this journey for sure now when when your you and your siblings grew up were you able to and went into foster care were you able to remain together as all five of you actually we were but that was short-lived as you can imagine one one person taken on and so after the first placement, we were never back in the same home. So that that was certainly a challenge uh, in itself. And in foster care, it is a it, it is a system that does its best in kids get out of bad situations. And for mm -hmm. us, adults we left alone by ourselves. Right after my grandmother passed, we had no adult supervision um the oldest did her best in trying to feed us but you if you can imagine five, five kids living on their own having all the things in which they need which is how we ended up in foster care and so it was it was an unknown it mm -hmm. was moving in with different strangers and different philosophies and how they lived in their home and how they cooked and the kids it was always a uh you, you know most of my childhood after bus even I, even if you a foster kid i think many of us can relate to visibility like like i don't really exist nobody really sees me nobody mm -hmm. sees getting through it and 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 that trauma taught me a lesson of just get through it lesson one in which i had to face heal from but often i think that's just got to quote unquote get through it even though we don't feel validated even though we don't see feel seen or are, are not um you know open and people don't understand them and don't appreciate us we just kind of quote 
unquote get through it and that pain just kind of holds us back from all the the things that God has planned for our lives that's for sure now now as a child did you find yourself that did you get in, into any trouble without having that adult supervision around <laughs> you know no I was a pretty good kid because you know for us um growing up we you know no, we didn't have the luxury of getting in trouble if that makes sense to you. We didn't have the luxury of of of, of had somebody there to kind of rescue us and save us. We were uh, adult. We had to be responsible. We had to make sure we ate. We had to make sure we went to school. We had to because there was no adult mm-hmm. for most of our childhood after my grandmother died. So. I, Getting in trouble is a luxury for kids, uh, and so that's one that we didn't. So it, it unfortunately caused us to grow up, especially me, called and and um and missed a lot of those childhood experiences where you just freedom that the, we didn't have that for sure. So um, what would how would you describe yourself when you were a child? Were you a happy child? Were you like a more of an introverted person, more extroverted? Or my sister always says that I was uh, as a child. She would say, "You're gonna be a social worker." <laughs> so <laughs> it, you know, it was just always my person. I was always the person that people talk to. It was always the person that was was trying to fix everything. Just okay. always for other people and so it just, just kind of made sense that I found a career and so that's kind of what where it makes sense but I think at a, I was, was about seven my sister said she was like turning our social worker you're gonna be helping people people <laughs> so, <Hi. so>, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> you know <laughs> so you were the fixer right yeah. and that 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 somehow get you into you know into the greater um acceptance of others when you were the fixer maybe people not thought well she'll help me and so maybe i'll be her friend or whatnot or maybe they want to stay away from you because you could analyze them and and they <laughs> work in reverse problems <laughs> people think i constantly analyze them but you know myself like many women you know, we're taught to care for others and advise our own wants, needs, and desires. And so it's not uncommon friendships, romantic relationships, where you're always the person giving all, right? When you're giving and fixing and finding and and doing for others, and then you look around for yourself. And so mm-hmm. that certainly was my plight. Um, that was my situation, my marriage. It was my situation with many of my friendships and work relationships. It was how I navigated. And I thought that was quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's how women being a quote unquote strong black woman look like. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's breaking in that paradigm, breaking that belief system because it is the thing that's breaking us from the right. Just July is mm-hmm. Black Mental Health Awareness Month. And it's so important because as people of color, we think we're just supposed to quote unquote, and just because 
because we can quote unquote deal with it doesn't mean we should have that's right to face some of the challenges you face on a day-to-day basis just going to the grocery store just going to work you know all of the things in which society labels and and and, and um and we internalize that pain mm. and pain you know, universal pain and it affects us in a multitude of ways it affects That's- how we look at ourselves create our relationships with others it, it affects mm-hmm. the type of work you do it affects mm-hmm. your people you attract so mm-hmm. all of it comes down to re- really healing the thing that because because if you don't acknowledge it you can't heal it that's right. right. And we spend mm-hmm. so much time, high expert hiders. We are like, we like, where's Waldo? We are good at hiding our trauma that we've experienced, but we're not, not so good about facing them and healing from them. The goal in this life, that's really where the focus is. And that's where he happens when we're uncomfortable, when, when, when God is pushing, push, you know, it's not a comfortable situation and we like to be comfortable, right? And so that's right. That's the, as people of color and in our fight for our mental wellness, for sure. Amen. And when when you were growing up and as, as a child, did you have any favorite childhood memories that you might um, think of from time to time, bring a smile to your face? Uh, absolutely, eating fried chicken. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> my grandmother, my sister was really, really close, but my grandmother, I mean, was well in in the quality of food and in the, the taste, and so I enjoyed those Sunday meals after that long, you know, because she we would go up and we would go to church in the morning, and we wouldn't come back to the night, but when we was good, <laughs> was everything. And those those memories around us eating, those memories around food, the memories around her, you know, those passing it, passing that knowledge down from her generation to our generation moments for sure, ones that I that I treasure. And in fact, I talk about that in my book, girl, when I was going through a really really difficult relationship in my marriage, and one of the things that that I used to help cope was food mm-hmm. because it's directly related to this happy content accepting memory as us uh, growing up and that that gave me comfort and unfortunately it was un- but that was my way of coping and it and led me to gain over 80 pounds oh sitting my. on my fried chicken was good I ain't gonna lie but it cost me <laughs> mis- it cost, it cost my health, my mindset, everything spiritually. It came with a very high call in order for me to get off, which is why I named the book Girl Get Off the Couch. And I talk about that is because the day I was, you know, just sick and tired of being sick and tired and sick and tired of crying. You know, you had those moments be like, Lord, I'm in this situation. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't live this life no more. I can't live the recognize my myself i don't like myself i don't like, like the situation i'm in and I need you to come and change it right so often we when we pray to god we want god to just come in chicken out our hand or push us on a trip 
treadmill, you know, give us some water. But in that moment, in that destitute moment, when I was just so broken, he was like, Greg, I get off the couch. I'm like, what? <laughs> get off the couch? What do you mean? Right? And so I believe God talks to us in a way we communicate with him. And that's how I speak. What's going on? I feel like he was like, girl, get off that couch. And I was like, what you mean? You ain't going to just come and just up, right? Look looking for that hero to be like, I got it, white knight. <laughs> the word. You got to do it. And so that what started my my transformation that's what started my weight loss and really just mm-hmm. becoming the true version of my to people and and when i'm working with women we're creating a new version of so we're not we're not because we're not bringing the old stuff with us mm-hmm. we're creating the true version of yourself before all the bad Exactly. Now, when you talked a little bit about, you know, your loving fried chicken and eating around around the table, those memories and a lot of black homes, we get around the table and we share in a meal and it, it actually helped with bonding and whatnot. So when you talk about that, I've thought about, you know, when we we're growing up and we had to go to school and 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 school sometimes can be something that we like or something that we despise. So when you were um, had to go off to school as a little girl and matriculating from elementary school to middle school to high school, what type of student uh, were you, Dr. Rashida? And um, did you find it that the education was fun for you or not? Or, or what? How did that go for you? Education was an escape for me. It, it helped me to escape the norm of, of, of what we were going through. We were, we were poor, right? And okay. and had a mom, mom that was that was not a part of my life. That wasn't a part of my life. School to me was oh this is this is just a day hustle. This is a break from, from thinking about where we're gonna eat or if we're gonna if I'm gonna stay in this this is the night they're gonna send me off to someplace else, right? And mm-hmm. so school, this is eight hours where I don't have to think about that. Where I don't have to worry about that. I can be like everybody have worries about school, right? And, mm-hmm. and so that's what the difference for, it, it, it just was the, an escape from the day-to-day hardships that we face with, with life, if, you know, living in South Carolina. That's just what it was. So mm-hmm. uh, became a record. Refuge, and so mm-hmm. I think that's part, part of why I excelled at it. Um, why? Because it, it was, you know, not just because it was opening my eyes, but it allowed me to escape what I was experiencing. Was there a teacher that had a particular strong influence on your life, or teachers, or anyone? My, I would say my last set of foster parents who are teachers um mm-hmm. alan and had i think the greatest influence on my life they introduced me to college said that i should go into college and i'd never met throughout my whole childhood anybody that went to college can you imagine anybody in my immediate family in my family friendship to go to college was an option for for me and, and mm-hmm. so they were the first introduced us to say yeah you can go to college i was like people, people like me don't go to 
God, what do you mean? And so they introduced me to higher education, education beyond high school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's good. And and they introduced you to higher education and they put that belief in you to that you could excel, even though you said you hadn't seen anyone that looked like you had gone off to college. Right. Was that was that scary? Or was it, it was a scary experience going off to college for the first time. Like this is a, an experience that I had no no concept, no knowledge, no mm-hmm. no reference. So it was it was unusual experience for sure it felt very uncomfortable yeah i realized it's almost like opening my mind up to a world that i didn't these kids had experiences that i just with vacations and trips and and, and just like my god I it's like seeing the world through new sets of glasses but well, that's i wanted more of it i craved it I, I wanted to learn more i wanted to experience more you know, going there was scary, but once I got there, I felt got really comfortable really quick. Let's see. And I, as I read your bio, I see that you not only do you have a bachelor's degree, but you have a master's degree and you have one of the highest degrees of the land that only only roughly 20 percent of African-Americans acquire a Ph.D. So congratulations to you. <laughs> I just oh. got obsessed with school I guess. <laughs> maybe a life I think you maybe maybe a lifelong learner so tell us I tell us a little bit about that my, journey I consider myself a life, lifelong learner even now I, I enjoy learning um, and growing I think that's, that's how growth takes place I, I don't want to miss I like I feel like something I don't want to mm-hmm. miss the opportunity to expand my my thought process or to have this for my birthday, I experience something. I, I do something I've never done before. I, I activities. I believe when we leave this life, that's what we leave with is the experiences, right? It's not the house the experiences that, that we have with people we love. And so I challenge myself to get uncomfortable, whether it's um, indoor skydiving or, or uh, roller coaster or going to a place that I would normally never go to, but just mm-hmm. purple to expand my, my own personal awareness, my my level my level of knowledge and skill, because um, that, that's where change happens. Change is never, if it doesn't give you some level of anxiety, change won't happen. Relationship, that's that is- work, that's change at school, the change in whatever book on your heart. If you, it doesn't give you some some heartburn, then mm-hmm. you won't grow in that experience. That's not for you. That's not experience that you're going to grow in. Healing, you got to get get uncomfortable growth. So you're saying that it that it is normal to feel a little anxious, right. a little anxiety, right. a little fear when you're taking upon something new. Right. That you shouldn't shy away from it at that point and say, well, I'm feeling this way. So maybe it means that I'm doing the wrong thing. Right. Right. Anxiety is a purpose in our lives. It is a part of the human experience. Oftentimes we think of anxiety in itself. I should never be anxious about anything. That's actually correct. It is 
the sense, the fear sensor in your brain telling you when something is uncomfortable, telling you when there's ability for danger. There's a purpose in that, right? And anxiety becomes an issue when it's captured daily living where it impacts your daily thought process that's when it becomes chronic to address as a mental health condition but just anxiety as a whole just general experience and it teaches us it pushes us it makes us aware of things be aware of walking down the street something happens whoop, anxiety kicks in it tells you what we need to be soon now and so mm-hmm. i want us to to learn to embrace anxiety versus saying mm-hmm. something's really wrong with me, X, Y, Z. No, it is part of the human experience. And it tells us when we need to be super aware of what's going on. That's good. That's good. I like that, how you ref- how you reframe that and normalized it for, for us this evening. But I told you, a woman with a three degrees. So when you went through your higher education process, did you go from one degree to the next, or did you take some time off and then decide to go back to school? Went <laughs> straight through. It was a, a goal, goal of mine to just get it all done because I felt like once I finished school, I was never going back. And so okay. I, I went. And some people take time off. That just wasn't my story. Uh, but I, I ended up going straight through. You know, put people in my life to help me through that, that process, mentors, because mm-hmm. that's really important. Mm-hmm. To, have, to have people that have been through the experience that can give you tips and strategies. And just say, I understand, you know, when you're been up all night writing this paper and feel yes. so for example of encouragement. And I had so many women pour into my life um, because I didn't in my family. I didn't have anybody go to college in my family. So it was strangers or people that I met on the way to say, hey, this is possible and to keep going. And so I didn't initially start school, uh, a doctorate degree. That was never my intent. But it was women along the way pushing me to when I was finishing up my internship and my part of my master's program and my mm-hmm. supervisor, when I do my internship, she was she was finishing up her doctorate degree and she was she was she was like this this and I was like oh my god I've been in school so long I'm finishing up my master's degree I just want to be she was like no this is you need this this is this, this is you can have this you you can have this open up the possibility um otherwise I don't you know it's always people supporting for sure that's why it's so important to have a good community a community of people even if you don't have a uh, biological family Creating mm-hmm. that family helps to support you. Strangers that are the ones that are pushing you to get to the next level. And so that's what I try to create um, in the women that I work with, you know, and help mm-hmm. and support ways that in the ordinary. That's good. When you were um, mm-hmm. when you were in school and you started in your uh, doctoral program, what did you um what did you research or what did you actually use for your context for that doctoral um, degree and the, all the writing that I know that goes into that? You know, what I what I process, I was passionate about leadership and how change happens in mm-hmm. businesses, how it's personalized um, as an 
extension of, of therapy, how change us and, and becomes apparent and present in our lives, right? And that's still something I'm very work that I really do and helping people understand what it takes to change, like what mm -hmm. that walk really looks like. And, mm -hmm. and, and um, part of the research I did was uh, interviewing um, and understanding how they change or what areas they want, wanted to change, what are the things they did and what are the, and um, because it's really important, especially when we have so many negatives, we feel we, we get married to the concept of this is just my life. I feel like this is just, just all the things in which happen, these levels of abuse happen to me. And this is just my life, like this barrage, these levels of abuse. Mm -hmm. And so the question becomes, what does it take to change that, that frame of mind from this is what I experienced, this is what my mother experienced. What does mm -hmm. it take for me to see the world differently? To unpower to change because so often we don't feel like that is even an option, you know. That's right. That I'm very passionate about this. Continue to the work as part of the life, um, um, work that I do with women, helping them learn how to thrive and part of what does it take and what does it look like. And so that's what my area of focus was is our lives because we need it. We need it and sometimes we get caught up on you know, all I need to do is pray all I need to do is pray mm -hmm. prayer is important don't get yes. me wrong I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a but prayer is only a part of the story just like when I was in the midst of my pain midst of my my life on the couch God told me I had to get up I had to get off the couch off the couch is taking action right I see prayer is one part but taking this necessary thing he wants to do anyway right he's not, mm -hmm. not gonna come slap you around be like and fighting you for that fry on it come take it out my hand lord come take right. it out my hand <laughs> no process right. i gotta put it down i gotta you know do grilled chicken i gotta stop going by the chicken that that's what my book is about girl get off the couch that's what the, the work i do is about and this this thought that, hey, my life can be different. I see. And you had written up on your website, you have a quote that says that after enduring a toxic relationship, the breakup and divorce left me feeling like I wasn't enough. Right. And you sp spent nights crying on, uh, on the couch until you found the courage to prioritize the healing. Now you Spoke a little bit about that as you speaking about getting off that couch, but um, as you graduate got out of um, college, you finished your your um, PhD. Was it during that time that you met and married your husband, right. or was that happening to, right during the, all of that when you were in school? And then tell us a little right. bit about how did that turn out into a turn into a toxic relationship and and caused right. you to have so to. I got we're in college, like many of us, young love, young and love. He's the love, love of my life, and end all be all. Had to be with him, and oh, yeah. so I was about my multiplication journey, and so part of what attracted me to see because growing up, I didn't have consistency in my life. I didn't have a consistent male figure 
pregnant male uh, parental figure. So the first guy coming in, showing me that, that keep this person in my, my life. So part of what I write about in the book is understanding my, it's easy to say this person did these wrong things to me. It's easy to say mm-hmm. he was a serial cheater. Easy way that he validated me. But I, I also have to recognize what led me to that situation, that situation. Is, mm-hmm. So that's how it ended up being toxic, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Toxic being the repeated pattern of pain through infidelity, through mistrust, through, you know, all, all of the things we, we all experience at some level throughout our lifetime. And so uh, to, to, to the place of understanding that no more, right? Saying is mm-hmm. taking to having it better. I mm-hmm. I need to treat myself better. I, I need to forgive myself for putting for allowing myself to and have the courage to get out of it. Whatever that mm-hmm. situation is for you, whether it's ship where you work, that can mm-hmm. be toxic friendships, where you go to, go to church, you know, what called pain, painful experience is for you, having the courage to say, you know what, no more I deserve it. I can take the step needed to heal from this experience and so that's where uh, you know my, my transformation started on the couch which is part of changing those things in my life when you and when you say on the couch uh, you t- i've heard your a little bit of your story before however tell the listening audience about literally about the couch experience right. what was going on there <laughs> right couch is where i spent most of my nights um, uh, crying myself to sleep for sure, unhappy about my that I gained, unhappy about the relationship I was in. So the couch was an actual physical presence. All the ne- negative beliefs we hold about ourselves holding us back. So the couch is not just the, about the physical couch, which is what I was on, but also yeah. the foundation of of the, the beliefs that I had about myself that put me in the situation of acknowledging my role in in, in the relationship, acknowledging the fact that I, I had about myself to be true, which kept me in a situation longer than I should. So getting off the couch represents getting rid of all those negative thoughts, getting rid of, of um, this, this, this level of hatred internally that I have and taking a step forward to heal what and starting the healing journey and so many of us we live in denial right we are really good at denying things and I was this were happening in my life I was denying the fact that I was gaining weight even though the scale kept going up and up and up I was denying I was denying how bad it made me feel where I was and how I really felt uh, because I, I look fine on the outside like many of us like, uh, she working right and then and internally just uh hurting pain oh. and so oh yeah getting off that couch represent getting off the physical and off the negative beliefs um and so i talk about the moment that happened before i got off the couch um and so and you can Find that at girlgetoffthecouch.com. It, it, it's it's it was a a moment of 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 wow oh my 
my God, I can't believe I got to get in this process. I got to do some work to heal. And magically, it's not going to just heal itself. Realizing that I deserved it. So often, we don't think we deserve it. You're like, it's going to be it. But I made some mistakes along the journey. I still deserve it, right? But I'm not right. perfect, right? right? And so, right. finding that no matter what that looked like and how you got here, you miss in all the things that God has in store for you. Dr. Rashida, did it take going to a, a therapist for help or the doctor or praying? Or did it take an actual person to help you to get off that couch as well? I like the call. I like the call restoration. My health team, right? I had okay. a team of people helping me for sure. Absolutely helped transform my life. One included a health coach. And because food is a part of this journey and, and our health, health right? Yes. Having helping me learn how to exercise and how to move my body, how to grow muscle, moving in ways and possible, and then educating myself. I spent a lot of time reading and learning about learning about how sugar is eight times more addictive than cocaine. Of how to oh my desire for the sugar. Mm -hmm. All of it is part of wellness and really nice. redefine what that wellness looked like for me. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, I create a whole team and I, I encourage women, <laughs> we need a team. <laughs> That's excellent. That is just excellent. And now, now that you were able to get up off that couch and when you got off the couch, you lost all that weight and you started eating right as far as right as far as you consider right. So you changed your entire diet around, right? My whole life, it started with my mindset. I had to change that first. Cause I often explain it to, you don't value yourself. You don't think you're worthy. What's the difference in eating a bag of chips or no difference, right? right? What changes how I feel about myself. I think I'm going to get the apple because I want my, I want to, Feel the best I can. I want to look the best I can. Nutrition that the apple gives, right? And so that change happens. A side effect is weight loss. Mm -hmm. A side effect of self care because you're automatically, without anybody telling you, you're mm -hmm. going to gravitate to things. Or help tell people eating bag of chips every day is bad for you. You don't have to tell people eating fried chicken every day that eating fried chicken every day is bad for me. I know that eating a bag of chips is bad for me. I know right. that eating an apple is I know that grilling the chicken is better than frying the chicken, right? Right. Nobody right. needs to tell people those things. We need support around is understanding our worth and our values so that we make different choices. And so that's where the transformation takes place. I, I changed how I prayed, how I ate. I changed how I thought. I changed how I lived. Uh, that's good. And did you have to change your your friends or not? The people that maybe ate the wrong way or said the wrong things and thought the wrong thoughts of those types of things. Did it take that? Right. So new friends. I gained new, new people as a part of the vegan vegetarian. I'm not vegan vegetarian, but I eat a lot of vegan vegetarian uh, foods. 
And so, mm-hmm. so for the most part, people were supportive. They wanted the pe- people that are truly care about you, want you, you to be healthy. They want you to take care of I you. See. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the most, That's right. most part, I, I have, you know, I'm blessed um, community of folks that support me in the journey. And even if when they don't understand it, they, they're like, what, what is that? That's weird. Weird. <laughs> they still <laughs> support the journey, and that's then. If you don't have that in your core group, then going out and seeking new people. That's good. That's great. And going off and seeking new people. Excellent. Right now, today, today you are you are a renowned breakup and divorce recovery therapist. Tell us a little bit about what that entails, Dr. Rashida. Right. So I help individuals individuals that no matter when that took place because heal from that and why that's important is because it was into new relationships mm-hmm. and we find ourselves repeating the same pattern basically the same things keep happening you it's, it's the same arguments you have with the last guy or the last mm-hmm. i teach people how to how to heal so that they can position themselves to love differently Right. And so, so we got to recognize and heal from those patterns we've developed. What do we do when something ends? No one teaches us how to get over uh, our relationship. You have all the feelings associated with it. We have the feelings of failure, but no one tells us what to do with those feelings. And how. so that's what I help individuals do. And then for my couples, I help people ask this was affecting their current relationship. And so I often describe it as upgups because if we can fix what the core issues are then yes. we don't have to divorce relationship and so uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really proud of the work I do I'm really proud of in the individuals that, that do the work because it's not easy it's hard mm-hmm. and I push you on high five me and other times they like I hate you I hate you right because they're <laughs> dealing with things they don't want to deal with burying and denying and here I am digging it all up right and so, yes. so right. necessary <laughs> and it changes us at our core and it creates a mm-hmm. new version of our whole thing to, to witness and be a part of and I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do that work with the work I do that's great what what types of modalities do you use with your clients the various um modalities most of it's motivational in nature mm-hmm. is the foundation of the change process for sure understanding yes. the connection in thoughts is at the core of the work i do for sure and um your your title is so catchy i want you to know when i read over your website you know just like three or four times and i love the title it says that i'm a breakup therapist when you look at that you say well <laughs> the breakup therapist and all, but then you expound on what, what that means as a breakup therapist. And I like how you, that kind of pulls the person in. So tell us when you say I'm a breakup therapist, why did you choose that particular phrase? <laughs> right. I, I went back and forth of it. Trust me. Um, in trying to describe the, the work I did, uh, because it's an untherapist and breakup in the same sentence, but it's the best best way I could figure to explain it, to capture, to really help people understand that in the day, I'm a trained therapist. You know, I have a lot of education. My focus is 
is around helping people that have experienced breakup heal from it so they can put love again. And that's ultimately, I'm in the game of love. I'm in the business of love and it, to be able to love others. Because we don't love ourselves, we can't love anybody else. And so um, I ended up with breakup therapists. You don't see that ever <laughs> together. No, and so you don't. Even, they were like, <laughs> why did you do that? And I'm like, like, I don't know, but it just made sense in my brain, the work that I do. That's good. And I like that. And you put that together and you kind of flipped it around. On your website, you said there, here are four ways that I'm qualified to help you. And one of said, one of them says that I, I live the unhappy, stressed life of prioritizing everyone above myself. And can you expound on that a little bit? that you were unhealthy, but you prioritized yourself. You told us a little bit about that. But at the same time, sometimes people think, well, you know, you don't know about what I'm going through because you've never have been there. You know, you've got a lot of book learning, a lot of education, but you don't really understand it because you never have walked this path. But then right. you have that one way, that first way you put on your website here right. that qualifies you. Right. Why is that important? Of the education piece, but life experience for sure. I was the person that I'm age. I was that girl that put put everybody's needs ahead of mine. Whomever needed their need was more important than than mine, and that was the life I thought I was supposed to live. I, that's what I thought thoughts from black women do, and mm-hmm. so for me. Me and I think one of the reasons why I'm good at what I do is because I've experienced a great deal of it. I had to walk challenges. I understand how those negative thoughts pull you back. I understand how the guilt sometimes says help them, and what will happen to them if I don't come in and rescue them, right? And so I, mm-hmm. I walk that myself, and I can can you know distinctly remember just crying out like. But what am I supposed to do? Who am I if I'm not going to be helping people? And, and really having that, that conversation and that breakthrough moment to say you mm-hmm. are creating a new version of, of yourself. You will no longer be held captive experiences and the person you thought you were supposed to be based on negative experiences. And learning is hard, it's difficult, but it's one that I walk myself and it's one that I help clients walk so what you say on a scale of one to ten how is how important is it that us therapists and mental health professionals have lived experience it's not not it's not necessary for every issue that you've experienced so bring character around around the work that we do if i if i have experience doesn't mean that a therapist cannot help you if they've not experienced your specific issue, it just means level of depth and awareness to the problem. I see. Right. So if you had to put a number on it, you know how we do in our therapy sessions. <laughs> we put <laughs> a number on it. And so if you had to put a number on it from one to 10, where would it fall on that scale? Uh, I would say somewhere between a six and a little more than half, you know, probably about a six. Mm-hmm. A solid so when six. you go so would you yourself 
seek out a therapist that did not have lived experience? Right. So my therapist um, has been married for umpteen years, but she was more than able to help me navigate my experience, my life and helping to change the way I thought about myself. So it's not, not the most important piece of a therapeutic relationship of a coach relationship is mm-hmm. person. Do you trust them? At the okay. end of the day, no matter what I've experienced, what my degrees are, if you don't trust mm-hmm. me at a, at a foundational level to mm-hmm. be vulnerable for the journey, and that's what it requires, right? Mm-hmm. And so anybody interested in working with me at the first shot is if you're like, you can trust me, then I'm not the therapist for you because it's I just going to be a rock in the number one indicator of success mm-hmm. for the work that we do is whether or not you can trust the person you and trust means different things to different people. And it mm-hmm. could be based on, I don't, I don't trust women, it, you know, whatever the those things are, mm-hmm. it's okay, somebody that one you trust is mm-hmm. of is hundred percent important mm-hmm. thing you experienced. That's excellent. So that foundational piece is trust for sure. And it takes a while sometimes to build that you build rapport with the client, but after building the rapport, the trust sometimes will take a while to build, especially if someone's coming to you that has been traumatized and all, and they come with, with counter transference and transference, seeing you as the person that maybe did it to them, you know, some things might trigger. So how do you, how do you normalize that for a person so that they can begin to trust you when maybe they have never been able to trust anyone in their entire life? Around it, right? Right. We talk about the feelings. We talk about the thoughts. That's the only way we can get beyond. And we talk about the work that we're going to do. And I always prep people for and to prepare them for the setback. Change process doesn't look linear. I don't, I don't start at one and end up at 10. Just keep going one and then end up at negative three. And then I go to five. And then maybe I go back to three or four, the setbacks and the failures. And, mm-hmm. and so that people understand that's a part of the chant. That helps people to, so that they don't beat themselves up even more when things are or when they react a certain way, when there's, when there's, uh, when when they are associating you with mom, and they're like, right. oh, I, you remind me of my mom. I prepped right. them for that. I said, this will be a moment when you're gonna take out all your, when you are gonna cuss me out because you just hate my guts. Prepped them for those, <laughs> so mm-hmm. that when they are back, feeling guilty, like, oh my god, I can't believe I, they understand this was all. A- part of the journey and I, oh. that helps to normal trust it so they understand they can always come back, back right there's that's nothing great. That- that's great you know dr rashida when i was going through my uh, graduate work in social work one of my professors called it puke on the page that all that stuff that was coming up and out you had to puke it out onto the page i know that sounds kind of gross but it was no. getting it out oh, I love- out of the person. And it's so good to know a therapist like yourself that understands and is able to normalize that for the person. And you can can hold emotional space 
within your own self right. for the person. You're carrying that person. Just like the Lord carries us, we as therapists, mental health clinicians, we carry that we've got to have enough emotional space within us in order to carry that person's baggage, but also know that there are boundaries. We don't take it home with us. We don't make it take it to the point where it upsets us and we can't even function. Then that wouldn't be being very good for the person either. Also, you said you listed four things that makes you, why are you qualified to help someone? You said, I lost over 80 pounds and you lost it quickly and you were able to keep that weight off. And I think that is to, deserves a congratulations yet this evening that you, you were so determined. You put that fried chicken right. down and you started eating, the, eating <laughs> some grilled chicken or whatever you were eating and you lost that weight. And um, that's, that's significant listening audience because that shows determination, you know, determination, knowing that I'm going to make my mind up, I'm going to set a goal, and then I'm going to stick to it. And it didn't take you all all years and years and years and years and years. You said you did it quickly. And then you said you're qualified, of course, because you're a licensed therapist. You're an expert at reworking what's behind the relationship. How do you, when you said you rework, you mean, you are you taking what was already there and you're turning it around the things that they might have right. gone awry with that person's relationship? Right. We're giving a different perspective on it. We're looking back, but I often explain to my clients, we're going to put on a different set of glasses so that you see change what has happened. We are able to see it differently and get a different perspective where it does it's not uh, lives. And so that's part of that re working process the happiest level that's the work we're doing at the subconscious because 98 percent of what we're doing subconscious we think because uh oh we don't think about the xyz doesn't of what we do how act is a part of our conscious awareness you only operate on two 98 percent of it is happening at the subconscious level and so that's where That's good. And and then you also said on the fourth point, you said, I care, I care about you. It's true that we may not have, uh, we may have not met yet, but I am who God made me, a person gifted to help others. So tell us a little bit about what you mean about that. I know it's pretty, it says, I care about you. And people say that all the time, but they may not really mean it at the core. Right, right. And so I think anybody that's worked with me, you know, at any point in, in, throughout this process, on I I worry, I care. Like I I uh I had a I had a, I got a friend that says I spoil my clients because I, you know, give them pretty, you know, almost unlimited access, you know, when they're going through a certain situation. But it's just because I want to ensure that they don't feel alone in the process. I want to make sure you know you have you have a base foundation, you have a support system, regardless of, of whatever's happening. And so um, 
you know, that's the core of who I am. I don't have to know you to know I care about you and to know I want the best for you and to know that God has a purpose for your life and is waiting on you to get off the couch to get it going, to write that book, to start that business, to go to school, to help other people. There's a purpose for your life. And the, the longer you take in getting there and walking on your purpose, um, the, the more it impacts our community. We need you. We need you off the couch and, and, and operating at a in, a in a purpose driven way. And so that's what this journey is about. That's what, you know, the work I do is about. And so, uh, you know, I just appreciate you, you know, having this conversation tonight, especially doing July, which is mental health awareness for um, people of color. And so yes. uh, we need to, you know, you're flashing the national suicide prevention hotline. If you're having thoughts of hurting yourself, call, 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 get help. If you're concerned about a family member, you can do a welfare check on them. Even if you're in another state and, and they're saying things like, I want to hurt myself or I plan to hurt myself. You can call the non-emergency line for the sheriff's department, explain mm -hmm. this, and they will send out a deputy to do a welfare check to make sure that person's okay. I can't tell you how many times I'm working in the emergency room that that phone call saved somebody's lives. And That's so good. I just want to encourage you to check on all the people in your life, that the, even the ones that you think are strong, that don't have no issues, that just always, those are the ones we need to check on the most. Because those right. Are more likely to be suffering in silence. So check on them. That's what July is, July being the National Black Mental Health Awareness Month is about checking on your strong friends. So That's exactly right. Thank you, Doctor. And <laughs> before we close out our podcast tonight, I was looking at the website and you have several services that you offer. You offer one-to-one -one VIP coaching. You also also a couples coaching as well. And so tell us a little bit about both of those things that you offer. And then you have written um, a new book, but I'll tell our audience what that is as soon as you just tell us a little bit about both of the coaching um, services that you offer. To right. They're available only for people in your state where you're licensed or can anyone throughout the United States access yeah your services so anybody interested in coaching services that's available to wherever i work with folks acro across the globe actually you know in different countries and so the vip coaching session is really for those individuals that want to do the work that that either are trying to figure out if they should stay in a relationship or have recently got out of relationship and and recognize the need to change some patterns in their life before they get into a new relationship so that's the focus on the the VIP coaching sessions. And then my couples work is with couples wanting to improve the relationship, want to avoid a, a breakup, want to figure out a way to, to heal and to create new norms and to break the unhealthy patterns that they've developed as a part of the relationship so they can save their relationship and, and, and create something that they both want to be in. And so that's the work I do um, around coaching. I love what I do. So it's around breakups and preventing breakups, either as an individual or as a couple. And so if you're interested in those services, then certainly reach out at drradisha.com and I'd be more than happy to have that conversation with you. And then it says you have written a new book, Girl, Let Him Go. <laughs> yes. Now, tell us a little bit about that new book. You, that how, can you how can we purchase it? 
<laughs> uh, you can purchase it on uh, girllitemgo.com. You can find it on Amazon. But that book was written for women that are having a hard time letting go. Okay. Break down how to let go of somebody. Because sometimes we feel like we've been with them for so long, we're just supposed to be with them. And so mm -hmm. I wrote it as a result of working with clients and, and, and them saying that often. I just can't let them go. And I said, you know, I need to write something specifically to those those people that are struggling to let go. And it's been mm -hmm. interesting. I've had men buy the book, um, had a guy buy the book for his daughter, his teenage daughter that was mm -hmm. had just recently gotten gotten out of breakup and he wasn't sure how to have the conversation. So he bought the book and he just was so positive on on how it impacted her. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that, you know, dad's buying it for their teenage daughter. So that kind of blew me away. I felt very you know, grateful in that experience. But, um, but yeah, so that, that book is specifically for women trying to figure out or, or teenagers, young adults trying to figure out how to, how to let go of somebody. And once again, you had a book, the first book, Girl, Get Off the Couch. It's an account of your personal journey to rebuild your self-confidence, physical health, and it focuses on mental health wellness. And I would encourage anyone that needs to build their mental health, their confidence, and also to know that you can hold yourself accountable and you can get up off the couch. Like you said, figuratively speaking, you were actually on the couch, but your couch could be anxiety. Your couch right. could be going out and overspending because you're so frustrated until you go on a shopping spree and you spend all your money and you don't budget it. Your couch could be anything. It figuratively speaking, purchase the book, girl, get off the couch. And the girl means it could be a man as well. So this, even though it says girl, get off the couch, men that are listening, purchase the book on Amazon or on Dr. Rashida's website at drrashida.com. Get those books. You also have Join the Heartbreak Healing Circle. Go from hurting to healing. How does one uh, join that Heartbreak Healing Circle? And um, tell us a little bit about what that is that entails. And then we're going to go ahead and conclude the podcast at this time. Right. You have so much to offer, Dr. <laughs> no. I have so much going on, but you can purchase Girl Get Off the Couch at girlgetoffthecouch.com. Girl Get and you're right. I've had, if you look at the reviews, men have purchased the book. I've I've heard of, I've had quite a few men DM me and say, can you just take the word girl, girl off? Because it fits. <laughs> I said, well, I understand, but I wrote you know what, what what women in mind. That's why it says girl get off the couch. And that's what God told me. He said, girl get off the couch. <laughs> that's the name of the book. <laughs> Heartbreak Healing Circle is centered around women, a uh, group of us, and uh, navigating the process of healing and creating a life of Thrive. And so we meet weekly, and I give them homework assignments and really just peel back the, the layer of healing. And so that's what that... Um, that's what that that group is all about. But if you're interested in any of my services, just head on over to drradisha.com or you can find me on Instagram at drradishabrown. I'd love to chat. Feel free to reach out if you have questions. You can book a free telephone consultation. If you're not quite sure if we would be a good fit, that's a great opportunity to kind of figure that out. And so that's why I offer that service. So thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this 
podcast tonight. Keep doing what you're doing. God is using you and using this platform to help people. And so I appreciate being part of it. Thank you, Dr. Rashida. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listening audience before we close tonight? I just want to tell the listening audience, listen, sis, no matter what you've been through, God wants to upgrade your life. It is time for an upgrade, but you got to you got to take some steps. You got to take some actions and you got to get off the couch for the upgrade. And so keep doing what you need to do to heal because healing is your priority above all else. That's exactly right. Dr. Rashida, would you close us in prayer this evening? Absolutely. I'd be honored to. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come and have a conversation. Lord, we pray that these words have touched women, touched men's lives, and that they find the courage to start their healing journey. Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you, Lord, for being there to help us walk through areas and, and obstacles in our lives when we're not sure, Lord Jesus, when we don't have the strength to take another step. Lord Jesus, thank you for protecting us and watching over us from evil seen and unseen. Lord, we just ask that you guide us and put us on the path and give us the strength and the courage to heal and to walk down the path and to create the life that you intended for us. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for this opportunity to commune and to, to conversate and to help others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Dr. Rashida, thank you for joining us this evening and give our love to your husband and your loved ones. And we appreciate you. Hats thank you. to you night. Thank you guys. Thank you. God bless. Good night. Good night. Dr. Rashida W. Brown. Her contact information is here on the screen. I would like for you to take note of her contact information and reach out to her at drrashida.com in addition to her website, which is the VIP coaching. And if you have any questions, you can go to her info email and email those questions to her. And she will get back with you at a, in a timely manner. There's power in pain. And you can tell that Dr. Rashida is a powerful woman. She shows us that no matter what you go through in your life, you can persevere. You can persevere through whatever struggles that you're going through. And it starts, however, from within. The struggle, getting free from it, starts from within, in our spirit man. So I want you to take a moment and ask the Lord, what is it that I'm to take away from this powerful podcast episode? Be sure to purchase her books and reach out to her. I'm very, very certain that in doing so, you will go from hurting to thriving, from hurting to thriving. Once again, July has been designated as National Black Mental Health Awareness Month. Reach out and get the help that you so rightfully deserve. It is okay not to be okay. Reach out to the National 
suicide prevention line, which is listed on the screen, or simply call 911 if you find yourself in a crisis situation or go to your local emergency room. You may also reach out for services through the resources that are listed here on the screen. And just know that but God, if it had not been for the Lord on our sides, where would we be? But God, God gives us the strength to soar by faith when we set our sights on him. When we put our hands in God's hands, we will reach our potential. We will soar. We will rise above whatever challenge that we find ourselves in. Be encouraged this evening and know that God comforts us in our times of tribulation so that in turn, we can turn around and comfort someone else. The testimony of God's faithfulness in our time of weakness is a powerful encouragement to those in need of strength. God comforts us once again in our tribulations, just like he comforted Dr. Rashida in her times of trouble. And when he did so, she was able to turn that around and comfort someone else. Be encouraged, beloved, and know that but God, those two words, but God, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh within you. Thank God, thank God for a powerful episode this evening of the Lotus Flower Podcast. Once again, I bring you greetings on behalf of my husband, the Reverend Curtis L. Robinson Sr. In his absence, we here at the Lotus Flower Podcast aim is to educate, empower, and equip you, our listening audience, with spiritually relevant, culturally uplifting, educational topics. And we're grateful to have done that over two years at this time. Thank you for joining us this evening for season two, episode 27 of the Lotus Flower Podcast. And remember to like, comment, and subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast. When you subscribe, be sure to click on that little bell because when you do so, every time an episode goes live, it will drop right into your inbox and you will never miss an episode. We have reached our goal of over 1,000 audio podcast subscribers. Yet and still, on our virtual YouTube platform, we are aiming to reach a goal of 500 subscribers. Will you help us to reach that goal by 
not only listening to the podcast, not only downloading the podcast, but going into the podcast and clicking subscribe and clicking the bell so that we can obtain that goal. Why is that important? Because we want to make sure that we are getting the word out. Our podcast foundation is built on the word of the Lord, built on the Holy Spirit. This is a strategic way that the Lord has given us to be able to share some of his goodness globally, not only in the United States, but globally. And when I say some, it's because we're only a piece of the pie. God has many people that are working in the vineyard. So we thank him for giving us a piece of the pie so that we can share with you, our listening audience, and equip you with culturally relevant, spiritually uplifting educational topics. Once again, thank you for joining us this evening for the Lotus Flower Podcast with our guest, Dr. Rashida Brown. Be blessed and may you have a prosperous rest of this year. Can you believe that we are almost halfway through this year? Halfway through it. The latter part shall be greater. The latter part of the year shall be greater than the first part of this year for you. Have a blessed and prosperous evening. We are grateful for our guest, Dr. Rashida Brown. Yes, we are so grateful to have had Dr. Rashida Brown as our guest this evening on the Lotus Flower Podcast. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, and most importantly, share this episode with your family, friends, and loved ones, and be sure to join us for the next episode of the Lotus Flower Podcast, streaming live here on YouTube, as well as streaming live on various audio platforms. Be blessed. Have a wonderful and prosperous rest of the day. <music>